Welcome to ASRM Today, a podcast that takes a deeper dive into the current topics in reproductive medicine. I'm Jeffrey Hayes, and today on the show, we are talking with director Shannon Cohn, whose new documentary, Below the Belt, The Last Health Taboo, follows four people on a years-long journey search for effective treatment of endometriosis. Shannon, welcome to ASRM Today. Thank you so much. It's an honor to be here. So where does your journey to this film begin? Well, my my journey, you know, Below the Belt is a personal project of mine because, yes, I'm a filmmaker. I'm actually an attorney and a social impact producer, but I have endometriosis. And I first had symptoms at 16, yet, like so many others, you know, with endometriosis, I didn't hear the word until 13 years later. So not until I was 29 did I actually hear it. But I, I will say that really what galvanized the action and me deciding, okay, you know, I've made all types of other films and TV series, but now I really want to, you know, point the lens at endometriosis is the fact that I have two young daughters and they have a seven times increased genetic risk of having endometriosis. And I think like so many listening right now can identify, like we, we all fight for ourselves and, you know, and whatever, if we face injustice, but we, we fight, we fight like, you know, with the fire, like no other, when someone we love is threatened, whether it's our child or it could be our partner or a parent. And that's when things change a bit and shift. And that's what happened to me because the thought of my two daughters going through what I did to get a diagnosis and to find effective treatment, that thought uh, was pretty terrifying. Once you were diagnosed, Did you seek out others? Did you seek out support groups or anything like that? When I was diagnosed, you know, I I was very fortunate to find a person who specialized in endometriosis right from the start. I mean, or very early once I actually heard the word endometriosis and it was actually a bit like hitting the lottery because I was in film school at NYU and I was, you know, in lower Manhattan and just happened to literally do a Google search of gynecologist near me. <laughs> you know, we all do that search where it pops up like near me. I literally did that. And a gynecologist name came up. I, I went to see her and started sharing my symptoms. And she said like, it sounds like you have endometriosis to me and I think we should do surgery. And we did. And what we thought was going to be, you know, a a minor surgery outpatient turned into an eight hour surgery and a five day hospital stay. But I say I was very fortunate because she had trained, you know, in endometriosis surgery. She knew how to excise the lesions and she even brought in a general surgeon because I had bowel involvement to help with that area so that, you know, she felt confident when, you know, when recovery that she'd gotten all the lesions. And I will say that that surgery was in 2006 And here we are. And that was the last surgery I ever had for endometriosis. So I count myself very fortunate. As a filmmaker, you could have decided to go many different ways in in telling this story. How did you end up making the decision you made to make a documentary, to go through that struggle and that process? 
<laughs> it is a struggle and a process. Any creative undertaking are, you know, is definitely a struggle. Um, well, because it's part of a strategy, you know, for for change of this system that if we, like all good documentaries, that if we can get people to care about individuals, about their stories, then the hope is that we can get them to care about the larger issues affecting those people. And it's not something that I came up with. I mean, you know, documentarians have been following this model for decades because it's quite effective. So the idea is that if we can share these stories or share the stories of four, four people, their true and lived experience in this way, that we can galvanize change and use the film as a tool for that change. And that's something that we're doing. You know, we released the film on PBS a few weeks ago. So it's available to the mainstream in the United States. It will be released, by the way, in other broadcasters and around the world in the coming months. But talking about the US and beyond that, we've screened on Capitol Hill, you know, for members of Congress and really opened up, you know, substantive ask to say, hey, how can we do better about getting people recognizing symptoms? How can we get a sizable amount of increased research funding, you know, to the NIH so that we can find these answers, not just on endometriosis, but let's put a real focus on women's health in general. Have you been surprised about the political that has sprung from it? I mean, at, at all? Or or did you go into it with kind of an idea of, of, not that all art is political or that all agendas are, you know what I mean? It's just, it's kind of, it's kind of like, is, was it a wonder, was it just a surprise or? It wasn't really a surprise. And the reason I say that is because I've worked with politicians as an as a lawyer, and I've worked on that side as well and doing social justice work. But so not necessarily because we're all human, you know, at the end of the day, if we can share human stories, I, I think that we respond to that. And we were, um, or women with endometriosis are very fortunate in the fact that Senator Orrin Hatch, who was, you know, the longest serving senator, 42 years, you know, four presidents. I mean, he he was around for quite a while and incredibly powerful on the Hill. His granddaughter has endometriosis. And so he had seen personally her struggle and it made you know, it made all of the difference because he said, I know exactly what this disease is. I know what it does to people. What can I do to help you? And obviously his support from the very beginning was pivotal uh, because he brought in Elizabeth Warren, you know, a Democrat from Massachusetts. Senator Hatch was a Republican from Utah. So the two of them worked together to get the first research funding for endometriosis from the Department of Defense, uh, in addition to the NIH. And then when Senator Hatch retired, Senator Mitt Romney you know, stepped in his shoes to say, I'll be part of this and work alongside Senator Warren. And I, yes, we, of course, we know in today's political climate, anytime, you know, politicians work across the aisle, it's, it's a big deal. And especially when we're talking about women's health, it's an even bigger deal. So all I can say is I'm incredibly grateful to those senators and other representatives who are willing to work, you know, across the aisle and say, you know, women's health in this country is just too important. And endometriosis is a part of that. So let's find some solutions. 
My guest today is Shannon Cohn. We're talking about the documentary Below the Belt, The Last Health Taboo. This documentary, you follow uh, four people. You know, this is, this is as you said before, you, you, you know, you're talking about you wanted to, to share experience, tell stories, and, and communicate in that way. How did you find people mm-hmm. to, to talk about their journey? No, that's a great question. Mostly online, you know, people sharing their stories. That's the beauty of, you know, whatever the the pros and cons of the online world these days that we live in. And there are many of both. Some of the pros is the fact that, you know, we are better connected in a lot of ways. Was it hard to build trust? I have found when I've written studies in the past and I've recruited people and, and, you know, and tried to interview them multiple times over multiple timeframes that, you know, it, it sort of sometimes organically happens, you know, that people kind of begin to, to trust you or, or how, what was that process like for you? Yes. I mean, it, it is always a process to establish that trust between, you know, the person, the filmmaker and the subject. It's not something that usually happens overnight. Yes, you can establish a rapport with someone, but especially when we're talking about issues that are so intimate and really letting a film crew into your life, that's, it takes a lot of trust, you know, and I didn't take that lightly. And then with our film, because of just not only budgetary constraints and geographical constraints, because the subjects are all over, you know, North America, I asked the subjects to also film themselves, almost like diaries, as well as their caregiver to film them when something was going on, if our crew couldn't be there. And I think that actually helped a lot, um, not only with the film and the storytelling, but many of them said it was cathartic, you know, just to be able to share their story whether or not it was used or not, but just to get the words out there, it almost was like therapy, which was, which was really interesting. But, you know, at the same time, as we, as we established, cause I filmed with all of them for actually over many years, this was a several, I think the first frame for this film was filmed in you know, 20, 2012, you know, so it's, it's quite a while. So by the end of the process, we knew each other quite well, you know, and, and I think that translates onto the screen. When it came to editing, was it difficult? Cause you have to shape stories, right? I mean, and, and you had things had to go to form a story. How, how was, <laughs> how was that process? For you? Was it painful to cut out a lot of this content or did you just, was there input by by the subjects about it, you know, where you would go to them and go, we've got to cut this out? I mean, how did how did that go? Uh, well, editing this film was definitely a painful process <laughs> for many reasons, uh, mostly creative. But, um, you know, there we filmed with many experts. We actually filmed with more subjects. And it, at the end of the day, I mean, of course, I wanted to include all of them because all of their journeys were valid, you know. But at the end of the day, working with our incredible editor, Christopher Seward, who is a very sensitive and talented individual, he gave me great advice, though, because we, I would try to go down the rabbit hole so many times because I'm like, this is so important, though, and this is so important. And he's like, talk about it in the interview. <laughs> he's like, that's okay. It can be important, but talk about it in the interview. We can't go down another rabbit hole. And I'm sure maybe your the listeners are may or may not be aware, but there is a, a phrase in, in editing called kill your darlings. 
And it's basically like your favorite things sometimes have to be cut. And that happened in this film where I was like, no, I I want to fight for this because I think it's so important. But at the end of the day, it just, the film itself, looking at this issue through the lens of just a filmmaker, um, not as an advocate, not as a person with endometriosis, I could recognize it wasn't helping the story move along. So we, I ended up having to, yeah, to let go of some of my favorite moments. We mentioned at the top of the show that it had, of course, recently been uh, shown on PBS and that people could access it that way. I'm just curious, are, are you taking it to, are you trying to get it into festivals? Are you trying to get it into a, a wider release so people can go to the theaters, have that communal theater experience with, with watching something like this? We have screened, um, we have have had se- several special screenings of the film. We actually opened, um, we screened at MoMA in New York um, a few months ago and Secretary Clinton, who is an exec producer on the film, she was there to introduce the film, kind of launching the film out, to, out into the world in a personal way. And that was really gratifying, you know, to see that, like you say, to watch the film with a room full of people and hear, and it was, of course, I was sweating like profusely. I'm just, but so nervous, of course, because that was the first time I'd watched it with a huge audience. And, but hearing, you know, their reaction at different moments and then laughing, because, you know, we do have like life, there's not, it's not all serious. We have, you know, levity and we can have love and hopes and dreams along with, you know, the, the tears. So hearing them laughing at the right moments, that was very, I, I did breathe a sigh, sigh of relief. And then just their, their interest in the film, I could tell the audience was in it to the very end. And that was very gratifying, but we have also screened in London and Los Angeles and Toronto around the world. And we are continuing those special screenings in partnership with the organizations as well as conferences. And we started a medical school screening tour actually this spring where we're screening at medical schools around the country and using the film as a way to open dialogue, you know, in medical schools. I actually co-taught a class with Dr. Louise Perkins King. She's at Harvard Medical School, where we showed the film to some first-year medical students and then taught a bioethics class on the film and looked at all of the issues that are inherent, you know, in a, in a, a disease like endometriosis, when we're talking about stigma and menstrual taboo and gender bias in medicine, how that's exacerbated by racial bias in medicine and financial barriers to care. And yes, in women's health and endometriosis, but in all of, you know, for all of us, what does it mean in a healthcare system where we may be relegated to subpar care? and what can be done about it. So it's definitely a a tall order for a film, but, you know, we delve into it a bit, but that's what it's meant to do is spark conversation and hopefully drive meaningful change. Absolutely. You know, good stories should spark conversation, should get our brains working in that way. The film, the documentary is Below the Belt, The Last Health Taboo. Shannon Cohn, thank you so much for being able to come on uh, ASRM today and uh, uh, talk to us about this. Of course. It's been an honor. Thanks for having me. And we will, of course, put the link up to the movie in our show notes so people can just click on that link to get all the information that they need about that. If you have questions about this show or any of our other shows, please email me, asrm at asrm.org. 
And if you would also please uh, subscribe, rate, and uh, review the show, uh, Apple, Google, or wherever you get it. Uh, you know, there's just so many avenues these days, I can't even keep up with it anymore. Uh, and until next time, I'm Jeffrey Hayes, and this is ASRM Today. This concludes this episode of ASRM Today. For show notes, author information, and discussions, go to asrmtoday.org. This material is copyrighted by the American Society for Reproductive Medicine and may not be reproduced or used without express consent from ASRM. ASRM Today series podcasts are supported in part by the ASRM Corporate Member Council. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast do not necessarily reflect those of ASRM and its affiliates. These are provided as a source of general information and are not a substitute for consultation with a physician.